Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. We can listen to God because He's a speaking God. He speaks. He's not silent. Um, and so go ahead with the next one. And we know this even looking at the scripture from Genesis 1. Boom, right out of the chute. 15 times in that first chapter. And God said, 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 and then the Lord said, and God said. Okay, the next, Jesus is called the Word. As I, as I reminded you last week, he's not called the sight or the smell. He's called the Word. He's a speaking God. And then next, all through the Scripture, God is speaking to people. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to read, actually read some examples from Scripture where he does that. Okay, next slide. This is my Tozer quote that I love. He said, I believe that much of our religious unbelief is due to the wrong conception of and a wrong feeling for the scriptures of truth. A silent God suddenly began to speak in a book. And when the book was finished, lapsed back into silence again forever. Now we read a book that as the record of what God said when he was for a brief time in a speaking mood. With notions like that in our heads, how can we believe? The facts are that God is not silent, has never been silent. It's the nature of God to speak. It's the nature of God to speak. He can't help but speak. He can't. I mean, he can be silent for just a little while, but not long. Not long. Okay. We start by following Jesus by hearing his voice. That's the John 10 passage. You can put that up there. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also. They'll hear my voice, hear my voice and become one flock with one shepherd but we're to keep hearing his voice. Next verse, my sheep hear my voice. That's present tense. My sheep hear my voice. If you're a sheep, you hear. You're made to hear. You're made to hear. And then faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. I'm going to take a little <clears throat> parenthesis here for a minute. Okay? Most people believe that in 1 Kings chapter 3, when Solomon is praying before God, God says, what do you want? Solomon asked for wisdom. That's not what he asked for. That's not what he asked for. In verse 9 of 1 Kings 3, he said, Lord, give your servant a lev shomei in the Hebrew. Lev shomei. That means a listening heart. Give your servant a listening heart. Two verses later, God said, since you asked for wisdom, I'll give it to you. So wisdom means what? A listening heart. That's wisdom. That's wisdom is a listening heart. Okay, next uh, slide. When the spirit of truth comes, the promise of the Holy Spirit, here it is. He will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. We have a... We have a Father who speaks. We have a Lord Jesus, the Son, who speaks. And we have a Spirit who speaks. The whole Trinity is just up there talking all the time. Okay, next one. So now uh, I went into talking about in order to hear God, you got to prepare to hear God. So let's run through this a little bit. We have to want to listen. And I mentioned the little thing about my children on the playground. They didn't want to listen to dad or to mom because they wanted to do what they wanted to do. Okay? So it's one of these, la, 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 yeah, God talked to me. La, 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 Sometimes. All right, next. We've got to be willing 
to listen, it goes hand in hand with being willing to respond to what we hear. And I talked about the whole Hebrew concept of the word hear. The word hear, Shema. Hear, O Israel. Shema, O Israel. Hear, O Israel. The, the, the Jewish mindset did not separate listening from responding. If you listened, you responded. All right, then next. Our listening to God requires that we not listen to other things. Not listen to other things. And I just talked about our, our busy, noisy lives. And uh, so uh, let's see where I am here. I'm racing through. Uh, so, so if we come to God to listen to him, there's got to be times of silence. And I mentioned the whole fact about when Elijah runs to Mount Oreb to get away from Jezebel. He's listening. The Lord said, come out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak to you. And he came out. You know, first there was a rushing wind, like a whirlwind. And then there was an earthquake. And then there was a fire. And God wasn't in that. And then what happened next was, in, again, and I mentioned the Hebrew, it's the sound of a soft silence. Most English translations say... In a, in a gentle, in a, what was it, a gentle wind? Is that usually what it says? A gentle wind? But in, in the Hebrew it says the sound of a soft silence. God spoke in the sound of a soft silence. And he still sometimes does. Now, I want to I kind of give you a little bit of a disclaimer. God doesn't have to speak in silence. Okay? I've been on, I've been on the uh, elliptical machine at 24-hour fitness and God's spoken to me when there's a loud music going on. All right. So uh, uh, anyway, uh, he can speak anytime he wants to. But but what silence does, guys and gals, what silence does, it attunes me to hear what his voice sounds like. Okay. If I were to pick out one of you and find out what your phone number was and call you up on the phone. Okay. I call you up on the phone. And... I say, Melinda, hi, how you doing? Of course, no, that won't work because she knows me. She knows. All right. One of you, I find out what your name is, and I call you up, and I say, you know, you pick up the phone, say hello, and I say, hey, Susan, how you doing today? Man, uh, it's just a beautiful day, isn't it? And I just go on and on. Guess what Susan is going to say after a few seconds or minutes? Who is this? Okay, but after a while, if I call her every day, I don't have to identify myself. Why? Because she recognizes my voice. And that's how we develop the ability to understand if it's God speaking to us or not. Okay, early on, I missed it a bunch. And so I thought that was you, God. Teach me, teach me, train me. How did I miss it? How did I miss it? We're going to talk a lot more about that next week. All right? All right. So tonight I want to go on the ways to listen to God. How is it the different ways that God speaks to us? The ways that God speaks to us. First one. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through his word. Okay, this, this is directed at most of you uh, younger people that are 35 and under. All right? Back in 1970, 
My wife and I were engaged. She was in college in Oklahoma, and I was in school down here. 1970, before the Internet, before email, before cell phones. And young people, what happened back then is what they, they would take a piece of paper and take this thing called a pen. And they would write this thing called a letter and stick it in an envelope with a stamp and address it and send it to the person they want. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> and this woman that I was engaged to sent me a letter from Oklahoma down here every week. I would check the mailbox and I would see that letter in there. And guess what I did? The first thing I did, I smelled it because it smelled of her. I closed my eyes and I smelled it and I saw her image. And then I would go in, I would open it up, I would sit down and I would begin to slowly read it. And I would read a few lines and I would close my eyes and I would imagine her saying these words to me. And then I would read the letter and then I'd read it again. And then I'd read it again. And I'd read it again. And I would read it several times that week before the next one came. This is his love letter to you. Smell his fragrance in it. Begin to read it. Close your eyes and imagine this one that's deeply in love with you writing to you the deep things of his heart to woo you, to woo you to himself. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through his word. We have the verses, 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17. It's all scripture is God-breathed. It's his breath. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof. What does reproof, reproof mean? Stop that. Stop doing that. But he just, doesn't, he just doesn't leave it there. The next one says, for teaching, for reproof, for correction. Stop doing that. Start doing this. <laughs> and for training in righteousness. Training in righteousness. Now, when, when we accepted Jesus, we got his righteousness, right? So I'm righteous right now. I'm righteous. But I've got to be trained in that. What, what does that mean? God gives me opportunities every day to work that righteousness out, to demonstrate it, to lay hold of it, to become more and more who I am. To become more and more who I am. Scripture, it's the most authoritative and sure means of hearing from God. And I, rem uh, you know, I, rec I recommend all of the things that have probably been recommended to you here. You just, just don't read it. Pray it. Meditate on it. Read a few verses. I mean, I got, I got stuck in half of a verse this morning, and I couldn't get away from it. 
half of a verse. I, uh, so I'm, what, what I'm saying is I'm recommending listening Bible study. There's all kinds of Bible studies, inductive Bible study. You know, how about listening Bible study? How about interactive Bible study? When I read the Gospels, I put myself into the setting. I'm in that boat in the storm. I'm feeling the, the, the water splash. I'm, I'm beginning to fear like all the rest of the disciples. And I'm, I'm looking, how can he be asleep? I, I inject myself into the Gospels, into Acts. I go first with the most simple and plain understanding of the Scriptures. That's where I start. And then I ask God to take me deeper. I'm not going into it, but, but the rabbis taught that there were four levels of understanding of Scripture. There were four levels. But the first one was just the simple and plain understanding. And then you just go deeper. Go deeper. St. Augustine, somewhere around 400 A.D., the guy was uh, a hellion growing up. His mother, Monica, was a godly woman, prayed for him all of the time. He grew up in a, in a town uh, called Hippo on northern, in northern Africa. And he was just, you know, drinking all the time, going to prostitutes all the time, this, that, and the other thing. But he had a brilliant mind. So he got sent to Rome to study rhetoric. And one of the things that they were having him study was the Bible. Okay, and so he had, he had a scroll of the Bible in the room that he was staying in. And so he was looking at it, and he went out, and he walked out in the back behind the house to try to ponder what was going on. And uh, there were children playing in the next yard over. And... Uh, he heard the children singing, and they were singing this song. Take up the scroll and read it. Take up the scroll and read it. Take up the scroll and read it. So he goes back into his room, opens the scroll, and it's Romans 13. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Boom, he's saved. The power of the word grabbed hold of him. <laughs> uh, I told you um, last week the story about me hearing the voice of God that, that uh, rocketed, me, rocketed me out of dentistry and in, into seminary, into the ministry. Um, what I, my plan was the first semester going to seminary, I was going to take two courses. I was going to go part-time, and I kept my dental practice going full-time. So about halfway through the semester, maybe not even halfway through the semester, I couldn't go to sleep one night. And I just laid there and tossed and turned. And finally I got up and I went down, in to, the, uh, I went down to the table downstairs, took my Bible, and I uh, did, you know, what they teach you not to do. Uh, what I did was, speak to me, Lord. 
And what I put my finger on, what I put my finger on was Ephesians 5.15. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Oh, I've got this backwards. I need to go dentistry part-time and seminary full. I've got to make most of, the most of my time. The Lord spoke to me out of Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 16. He uses His Word to speak to us. How many of you feel like you personally have gotten a word from God by reading the Bible? How many? Let me see your hands. Just about everybody in here. Right. That's right. It's the surest way that He speaks to us. All right, so next. Next slide. Drum roll. God speaks to us pictorially in pictures. One of the first ways that the Lord speaks to us in pictures is through visions. Through visions. There are two types of visions. There's an open vision. What's an open vision? It means that your, eye, your physical eyes are open and you still see something that the Lord puts in front of you. Sometimes he'll make the other things around kind of fade away and you'll see that. Sometimes it's just superimposed on the natural realm. Okay, so that's an open vision. The other is closed. You're praying for somebody or you're, you got your eyes closed and the Lord gives you a vision. You know, it could be a snapshot vision. It could be a motion picture vision. Okay? Just a lot of different ways that those visions, those visions can take place. We have, uh, you know, one of the... Uh, um, one of the greatest examples in the Old Testament is Isaiah 6. Isaiah comes into the temple and he sees all of a sudden, boom, he's in this vision. He says, and I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. And he sees these creatures circling around the, around the throne of God going, holy, holy, holy. And they keep going, holy, holy, holy. You know why they never get tired of saying holy, holy, holy? Okay, it's, they're circling around, right? 360 degrees. Every time they go a degree, they see a different thing of God, a different aspect. And they go, holy, holy, holy. They never get tired. Because the revelation of God never ceases. It never ceases. In the New Testament example of a, of a vision is Peter up on the roof, Acts 10. All right, he's up there waiting for lunch, a little bit hungry. The Lord gives him a vision of what? Food, but the wrong kind of food. All right? Instead of nutritious, it was pig Twinkies. You know, and he said, Lord, I'm, not gonna, I'm a good Jewish boy. I'm not going to touch that. How many times did he see that vision? Three times. Three times. At the end of that, when he, the vision is finished, he's trying to figure out what happens the guy that owns the house comes up on the roof and he said, there are men down here waiting for you. How many men were there? Three. Three visions, three men. Three pigs at the front door. 
Three little pigs waiting for Peter to go with him. We see visions all, all the way through, all the way through Scripture, all the way through Scripture. Um, I'll give you an example of an open vision that I saw. I was, uh, we, had our, uh, we had our church um, before we went down to Deep Ellum. We were out in Garland, and, you know, we had a, uh, we had a sanctuary. I was up on stage preaching. I looked out, and there was a young man there that was a visitor. He'd never been to our church. I'd never seen him before in our church. He was right about over in that direction from me. And uh, I had everybody stand up, I think. No, I didn't. I had him stand up. I look, what, how the Lord will, will, what he'll do sometimes for me is that I'll, like in a crowd like this, I will look across the crowd and all of a sudden one of you, it's like he has this huge yellow highlighter and you're highlighted. And I may, ha I may not have a clue why you're highlighted, but I know you're highlighted. And that's what happened with this guy. I'm looking across the crowd, and he's highlighted. And so I, I said, young man, could you stand up, please? And when he stood up, as of that point, when I asked him to stand up, I didn't have a clue what to say to him. And when he stood up, my eyes open, superimposed on him from the top of his head down as far as I could see, was an iron rod about that big around, right down through the middle of him. I said, Lord, what's that? He said, he's rigid. I want him to be more flexible. And so I just said, I said, young man, I told him what I saw, and I said, I believe what the Lord said is that naturally you're a very rigid person. You just don't bend. And the Lord's saying, it's time to get flexible. And I said, is that correct? And he kind of smiled and went, yeah. So we had some people pray for him. So that is, is, is an example of the, uh, yeah, of, of an open vision. Another open vision I had, I was at a, uh, I was at a pastor's retreat uh, about a month ago, six weeks ago. And I didn't know everybody at the, at the retreat. And so I was sitting back in about the third or fourth row. And there was a guy in front of me that I didn't know. I didn't know him. And while I'm trying to, you know, God just interrupts my thought patterns sometimes. You know, it's, sometimes it just kind of bugs me. But I'll go with it. So I'm, I'm trying to listen to the speaker. And all of a sudden I looked at this guy in front of me. And over the top of his head in the, in the air is written, Artesian well. I'm not even sure that I knew what an artesian well was. So, wonder of wonders, cell phones, Google. I Google artesian well. What's an artesian well? Anybody know what an artesian well is? The difference between an artesian well and a regular well? Artesian well is, is under the surface of the ground, but it builds up pressure. And it tries to find the weakest spot where it can come up. That's an artesian well. And so anyway, uh, when the break time was, I walked up to the guy and I told him that. I said, I just see this word over you called, uh, it's an artesian well. And then, of course, once I got that, I started asking the Lord, okay, what do you mean by that? Why are you showing that to me? Okay? And I said, I, what I feel like after I Googled it, I feel like that what, what you have the ability to do is you have the ability to find the people that God is building pressure up in them. 
They're artesian wells that need to be tapped into. And you have the ability to seek those people out. And this guy starts shaking his head and he goes, he goes, when I, as a boy, he said, I grew up one block away from an artesian well. God speaks our language. He will, he will give us words and speak to us in things that are very meaningful to us that may not, you know, it's, it's not a, it, this is not a, uh, I'll wait till I get there. I was going to give you another story. I'll wait till I get there. All right. Close vision. Close vision. Um, how, many, how many of you feel like that you've, you know, when your eyes are closed, the Lord's shown you a picture of something? Several of you have. Okay. All right. Anybody want to share their story? I mean, I got plenty of stories, but I just wanted to give you the opportunity. Yeah, you want to come up? Okay, come up. Vision, vision lady. Uh, mine was a friend of mine came over to my house one day and she said the Lord told her that he wanted to minister to me. And she said, I don't know what he's going to do, but I said, let's go for it. And so um, we closed our eyes and she just started praying for me. And we were just waiting on the Lord. And um, I saw this picture of the delivery room in an old hospital, like a 50s hospital, that there were like four by four tiles on the floor, on the walls, like yellow, like a teal blue. And it looked really cold and they're not warm. It wasn't warm and inviting like delivery rooms are now. This was like in the, you know, 70s. And so <laughs> um, I saw my mom on the delivery room table and I saw my dad at her, at her side. And I saw the doctor who delivered me ready to, like, receive me. And it's like I was watching a movie. And um, uh, so the backstory of it was that when I was younger, my parents had gotten a divorce. And somehow it had come out when, one time in a conversation with my mom that my dad did not want me to even have been conceived. And then when I was born, that he didn't want a girl, that if they were going to have a kid, they didn't want a girl. And so that had kind of rooted in me and stuck with me. And so I had always kind of just rejected femininity and, you know, um, anything to do with girly girls or even ladies ministry at church because I had been saved for a while. And um, anyway, so then back to this vision, um, I'm watching this and... Um, I see Jesus over standing next to the doctor and he has like the goofiest grin on his face. Like he was so excited that I was getting ready to be born. And so I'm, I'm almost embarrassed for him because it was such a silly expression that he had on his face. And so I'm born and I see my mom start to cry because she, she told me that she had cried when I was born. And, um, and my dad's look of disappointment and, and Jesus had received me. I had been born and he spoke to me and he said, he said, forgive them 
He said, because they just didn't know what I was doing through having you be born and having you be a girl. And so in that moment, it, it changed. Well, it didn't change everything in that moment. It, it something that he started working through me, through my soul, through my mind, through every part of me that had been really, really wounded. And so, but it was such a concise moment when I had the vision. And it worked out over many, many months and years after that so that I could finally embrace being a, a woman that he created me to be. So, Wow. It's powerful. That's powerful. You know, that brings up another dynamic of kingdom living that I'm just absolutely convinced of is that the Lord wants to reframe every hurtful memory that you have. He wants to reframe it. He wants you to change your perspective of it. But let him take you back there and do that. Let him do it. Okay? I always say that um, we are not meant to be spiritual or emotional archaeologists. That job is, belongs to the Holy Spirit. So we don't have to go digging around. He's more than capable of bringing stuff up when and where and how he wants to. Okay? All right. Next. Pictorially, dreams. Dreams are, of course, pictures when we're asleep. All kinds of scriptural examples of that, back and forth, everything from Joseph in the Old Testament to Joseph in the New Testament, Mary's husband, had dreams. Uh, even non-believers had dreams. Pharaoh had dreams. Nebuchadnezzar has dr had dreams that needed interpretation. So we have all of those examples. Um, the, the day that my wife, or the night that my wife, the day my wife... How do I put this? <clears throat> the night of the day that my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer, 20 years, almost 20 years ago now, the Lord gave her a dream. Uh, it's in my first book out there. It's a commercial right there. In my first book for sale out there, over there. <clears throat> Um, and the gist of the dream, I won't go into the dream, but the gist of the dream at the end of it was, I'm not going to deliver you from cancer. I'm going to deliver you through cancer. And he did. He did. Okay. Um, several of you know Ron Campbell, who has a very strong prophetic ministry. Ron's been here. Um, uh, I, call, I got a phone call one day. I was at a conference out in East Texas uh, from another pastor friend, and he says, do you know Ron Campbell? And at the time I said, no, I don't. And he said, well, he called me uh, and he said, uh, he said, I had a dream about a man named Wallace. Uh, do you know anybody named Wallace? He said, well, yeah, I know John Wallace. And he said, um, can you get me in touch with him? So a few minutes later, I was on the phone with Ron. And Ron said, in the dream, I saw you, and he, we'd never seen each other before. He described me perfectly. At, at that time, I wore glasses. He said, you're gray-headed, you wear glasses. I see you circled around by young men and some young women, like you're mentoring them, which is what I do now. Okay? And, uh, and he said, and when I saw you, it reminded me of William Wallace, Braveheart. 21 generations ago, William Wallace was my uncle. 
I've seen Brave, the Braveheart movie 37 times. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, yeah, yeah. He, he had a dream that connected us. Dreams are powerful. And, of course, dreams, not all dreams are from God. You know, dreams can be from the enemy to intimidate us, to scare us. And dreams can just be, as my wife said, the state of the soul message. It's the state of your soul. Okay? I have a reoccurring dream, which a lot of you do. And what it is, I think maybe you even said last week, wasn't it? About going to class and realizing that you hadn't been there all semester. I have that. I have that. Yeah, it's a horrible dream. I know. I know. Except my, mine is in dental school, and I'm in the last week of dental school, and I realize I'd never done one of the requirements. Okay, when I wake up from dreams like that, man, I just get down on my knees and say, okay, Lord, you got to deal with this stress. you got to deal with this anxiety because I know where that dream's coming from. But God does give dreams. Okay, here's thir the third pictorial way. What we see in the natural realm. God can speak to us what's in the natural realm. Okay, you see scriptural examples of this. Tabernacle. God was so detailed in the way that he wanted the tabernacle constructed. And then the book of Hebrews tells us why. Because it's a shadow of the heavenly tabernacle. He wanted, he wanted, he wanted them to see in the natural, the natural spoke of the spiritual. Um, Jesus' parables. He talks about grain and he talks about birds and he talks about the things that they saw in nature and he, and he had a spiritual lesson in the, in the things that they saw naturally. Uh, about 15 years ago, I was taking a group of young people to uh, the call, uh, which was in Nashville, Tennessee. So we had a big van. We drove from Dallas. Uh, it was a fairly new van. And we're driving in as we drove into the city limits. I mean, literally, when we crossed, when the sign, it said Nashville, and we crossed, the check engine light came on in the van. I mean, it's a new van. Check engine light came on. So I'm trying to think, you know, I don't have a whole lot of auto mechanicism in me. I'm trying to figure out, okay, you know, nothing's steaming. I stopped the car. I looked. There's no belts broken. I mean, you know, what in the world? So I dropped the young people off several places they were staying, and I got back into the car, and I said, Lord, you've got to tell me what this is all about. And he said, John, it's time to check your engine. Check your engine. I had some repenting to do. Okay? He can speak to you. Now, every time your car has a check engine light on it, don't, you know, fly off the handle and, you know, prostrate yourself on the ground before God because <laughs> it, it might not happen. might not happen. Okay. Uh, here's another way. God speak to us through his voice. Through his voice. And, uh, you know, again, all through... Scripture, there's multitudes of places that said, and then the Lord said to so-and-so. And then the Lord spoke to so-and-so. Now, we don't know if that person heard the Lord's voice in their mind 
or like the story I gave you last week, they heard outside the audible voice of God. But one way or the other, the Lord used his voice to communicate what he wanted to communicate. You know, if we, if we begin to hear what God's, God's voice is in our mind, as I said earlier tonight, we need to differentiate the voices that we hear in our mind, whether or not it's from the Lord or not. And um, how, how do you differentiate? Well, first of all, it, it, you, you know what he sounds like from here. He's, not, he's never going to say anything that contradicts this. If you hear a voice saying something that contradicts this, it's not God. Okay? It's not God. So one of the ways that we know and distinguish whether it's from him or not is knowing him, knowing, knowing his word. But maybe you hear what you think is God and it's not in here. Okay? It says in Exodus 33, it says, uh, the Lord is speaking with Moses on the mountain. And he says, um, in the midst of talking to him, he said, you found favor in my sight. And one of my favorite verses in the Bible is how Moses responds. Exodus 33, I think it's verse 13. He said, I pray thee, if I've found favor in your sight, show me your ways so that I might know you, so that I might find favor in your sight. You see that cycle? He said, if, I found fa if we start out being, fa being favored, okay, then, then how I want that to work out is I want to know your ways. I know this woman's ways, and she knows mine. Why? Because we've been intimately related intimate related for 48 years. If we're intimate with the Lord, we'll begin to understand and know His ways. We won't have to have a verse, chapter and verse, when something comes up and we hear something. We'll know, is this compatible with the way God is? Just believe that you can hear his voice. You know, there's those verses in 1 John 5 where it says, Now we know that if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know how we have the requests that we ask of him. If you ask God, Lord, I want to hear your voice, is that according to the will of God? Okay, then what's, what's the rest of that verse say? God just heard that prayer. And he's going to answer it. it. It's amazing to me that, that some Christians have more faith that Satan can deceive them than God can speak to them. If I ask God for something and I start walking and I get an impression, I go, first, first of all, I go with that's the answer. I just asked him. And so he just answered. Now, a few times I have to be discerning, and a few times, you know, it's not been the case. But I would say it's a huge percentage of the time. If I ask him and I get something, I say, Thank you, Lord, 
for answering my prayer. It's faith. It's faith. I've found that um, hearing God's voice audibly, like I gave you the illustration last week, is, is much, much, much more rare. I believe I've heard his audible voice three times in 34 years. But I've heard his voice in here a lot. Okay, um, next. God speaks through impressions. These are sometimes real tricky because what, what happens with an impression? It just sometimes comes and goes. You just get this impression. And most of the time you say, that was just me. That was just me. Um, they're, they're, they are very subjective. But it's one of those things that all of a sudden you just know that you know. You just know that you know something. You didn't hear a voice. You didn't see a picture. But all of a sudden you just know something. Um, passes briefly through our minds. Or sometimes that impression will weigh heavy. Um, if you, if you hear, hear or you receive something by an impression, especially if you think you're supposed to give it to somebody else, most of the time here I've been talking about receiving and listening God for ourselves. But if you get something to an impression to share with somebody else, I think you need to be more qualified in presenting it to them. You know, it's not a thus saith the Lord time. <laughs> you know, I, I think something like, uh, something just occurred to me. Something just occurred to me. Or, I believe that God's impressed me with something. Can I share it with you? Um, when our son was in high school, he was in a private school here in town. And it was a Christian school. And most of the parents of the children that were in that school um, did not believe in the fuller function of the Holy Spirit. It's what I used to be in. All right? So, because I was the pastor of the, of, of the parents' group, they asked me to open a meeting one time in the parents' meeting with prayer. So I stand up and I start getting these impressions. People all over the room. And so, you know, I'm thanking God for the meeting. I'm thanking God that we come together. I'm thanking God that these parents want to support their children. And, and then I said, and God, I just, I just thank you that you've just impressed me that you're really close to the person who just went through the divorce. And God, I just thank you for something that just occurred to me that da-da-da-da-da-da. And, and I, gave, I gave about five words of knowledge in the prayer without saying that they were. And when I said amen and everybody, you know, who had eyes closed and head bowed, they looked up and there were several people crying in the room. Okay, but they were impressions and I presented it. Oh, it just thank you, Lord, that it occurred to me. Impressions. Okay, next. He speaks to us through spiritual gifts. And he speaks to us, let me first of all say, I believe he speaks to us through every Welcome spiritual to gift. Welcome to I'm going to highlight just a few of them. But every spiritual gift, when it's exercised, God is telling us something. 
I think he's telling something to the person who is exercising the gift, and I think he's telling something who's the person who or the people who are receiving the gift. Okay? It's not just the exercise of a gift. God can, when a person has the spiritual gift of serving or helps, when they are, when they are walking in that, God is shouting to the rest of us. Okay, prophecy, prophecy. Um, I do, this is tough because I do a three-day seminar on prophecy, just on prophecy. So let me just condense it down. Here's my simple definition of prophecy. It's communicating what God wants you to know in the moment. It's prophecy. He just, he wants you to know something, so he communicates it to you or through you. You know, there are examples, again, all through Scripture of prophecy and prophets Anybody know who the first person in the Bible that was called a prophet? You can't answer this, Matthew. Yes, sir. Who was it? Abraham. Samuel, I think, was the second. It was Abraham, the father of the nation. It's a picture. The whole nation of Israel was to be prophetic. What did Peter say in Acts 2? The Spirit came. Who's going to prophesy? Your sons and your daughters. Your sons and your daughters. We see examples all the way through Scripture about prophetic people. In the New Testament, we see Agabus at least twice in the book of Acts prophesying. Silas is called a prophet in the New Testament. Okay, 19, how God spoke to me. Through a prophet. 1985, Suzanne and I go to a conference. We get ambushed by the Holy Spirit. So we come back from that conference, and I know next to nothing. I I was almost ready to graduate from Dallas Seminary, but I told Suzanne, I am pre-kindergarten in the things of the kingdom. So I just got on a fast learning curve. And one of the things that we did, this little church I was part of, five of us elders we found that there was a prophet on staff in Dallas, Texas in 1985. We found him. So we called him up. His name was John Paul Jackson. He's with the Lord now. Okay? So he had a, an office. The prophet had his own office over in Pleasant Grove. So we scheduled a time with him, and we went over there. And for an hour, we grilled him and listened to him speak to us about the gift of prophecy And at the end, he went around all five of us, and he prophesied over us. First time I'd ever received a personal prophecy, John Paul Jackson. He prophesied four things over me. Four things. Okay? All four of those things were fulfilled 14 years later in the same year, 1999. I'm not saying you have to wait 14 years. But that was my first experience. And what did I do with that word? I prayed over it for 14 years. 14 years. He said, you're going to go to Israel. First time I went to Israel, 1999. He said, a lot of money is going to go through your hands. Did you notice he said, through your hands? (laughs) That was the year Suzanne got cancer. And although we had a little bit of insurance, a lot of money went through our hands. Okay? He said, the Lord is going to start giving you a Hebrew mind towards the scriptures. 
1999, I met a Messianic Jewish teacher who's become my mentor through the years. Met him in 1999. And the fourth thing, he said, the Lord is going to take you to the, co the country that's in your heart. Now, this is the one that puzzled me because I go, there's not any, right now, there's not any country that's really on my heart, you know? But in 1999, we went to Scotland because Scottish blood is in my heart. <laughs> Which brings up another whole thing about be careful how you interpret the words that you get. Okay? Ask God for the interpretations. Because it's real easy, and I have done it numerous times. I get a word, and I go, oh, I know what that means. No, I don't. No, I don't. All right. Um, I could give you more, but I'm running out of time. I've run out of time, haven't I? Wow. I'm just barely into this. All right. Let me, let me do one more, okay? Can you stay a few more minutes? All right. Teaching. Teaching. Has anybody ever sat here at Storehouse or in some other place when the person is teaching and all of a sudden you get a zinger? All of a sudden they say something and I mean it goes, it doesn't even go here, it goes here. Right? Okay, God's speaking to you through the gift of teaching. He's speaking to you through the gift of teaching. Um, and here's, the, here's the example. Um, King Josiah had a father and a grandfather who didn't follow the Lord. They were idol worshipers. And the temple gets in disarray. So Josiah comes on the scene, and he's cleaning up the temple. He's having it cleaned up. I'm going to follow the Lord. It's cleaned up. He's sitting in his, on, probably in his throne room or something, and all of a sudden, you know, the dusty, dirty priest walks in. He goes, hey, we found something in the temple. It's this old scroll. And he said, well, read it to me. He starts reading. What happens to Josiah? It's the law that's been buried for three generations. He hears the word of God. He hears the teaching of the word of God. He tears his clothes. And man, he just goes all out for God. Okay? Um, Peter and his Pentecost sermon. He's preaching Pentecost, and it says towards the end of that, some of the people in the audience said they got pierced to the heart. They said, what shall we do? From teaching. From teaching. God speaks to us through teaching. I guess I'm going to have to stop there. I am, uh, boy, I didn't get as far as I wanted to get. We're going to go through some of the other spiritual gifts, some other ways that God speaks to us. And then next week, we're going to end up with what I call, so you think you've heard the Lord, huh? And what do we do when we think we've heard from Him? What do you do with it? Okay?